Let's open in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time uh, to gather, to worship you, to get to know you more. Uh, We pray that you would help us to pursue closeness to you and that you would draw us closer to yourself. And we pray that uh, we would really grow closer to you this year. And we thank you for your grace and amen. All right, so today's sermon is titled Pursuing Intimacy with God. Last week, we, or last time I spoke, we talked about uh, God's desire for intimacy with us. So this week, we're going to talk about how to really pursue growing closer to God. Uh, and if you don't have an outline, uh, you might want to grab one real, real quick. Today, we're doing an experiment. We're trying out fill in the blanks. I got some fill in the blanks today. So I, sh- I need to tell you that ahead of time because I don't want you to take your outline home and think it'll be complete and then look at it and it's very incomplete. <laughs> it won't be very useful if you don't fill it out. Um, so I was going to review from last week, but I actually won't. But, you know, last week we just talked about God's great desire for intimacy with us and how clear it is in the scriptures and, um, and how God created us to know him intimately. And he has a great joy in being close to us and him knowing us and in us knowing him. Uh, but one thing I didn't mention last week, I kind of forgot to put it in my outline. Uh, I figure I may as well mention the benefits of having intimacy with God or the outworkings of having intimacy with God. Uh, how it affects your life to know God intimately. So let's look at those. Uh, The first one I want to mention is that as we get to know him deeply, we'll become more like him. If you develop a real closeness with God, you will become more godly in your character. Let's look at 1 John 3, verse 2. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So John here is making a connection between seeing God as he is and being like him. Or at least, you know, for his children. When his children see him as he is, it causes them to become like him. So he makes a connection between knowing God and developing godly character. Let's also look at uh, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So, again, as we behold the glory of God, we're transformed into the same image, gradually, from one degree of glory to another. So there's another connection of as we get to know God, as we grow closer to him, it causes us to become more like him. Another benefit of intimacy with God, it enhances our worship. Um, I talked about this a few weeks ago when I spoke on worship, but, um, and I gave the example I could, a person could say, Teresa's an awesome person, but when I say it, it has more meaning to me in my heart because I actually know her very well. A person can hear those words and could say them, um, but they'd mean more to me. 
And so knowing God deeply, being close to him, it enhances our worship. It causes us to be able to praise him deeper and enjoy him more and to come into his presence in a more powerful way in worship. So our our closeness to God, it affects our worship, it enhances our worship, it makes it better. Uh, The next benefit I want to mention, having intimacy with God enhances our prayer life. Closeness to God seems to bring some level of power in prayer. Uh, When we talked about prayer recently, one of the examples I gave of this is Moses. Moses was close to God. God said of Moses, with Moses, I speak to him face to face, and I know him by name, as a man speaks to his friend. Moses was close to God, and Moses' prayers seemed to be effective. Moses asked for some big things. Abraham was also close to God. God called Abraham a friend of God. And, um, And I really like the example of when Abraham was praying for Lot, basically. He didn't ask for Lot specifically. He asked God, if there's this many people, would you destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? What about a little less? What about a little less? What if there's 10? And uh, even though he didn't mention a lot by name, and even though there wasn't 10, God cared about Abraham, and when he sends angels to save Lot, they tell Lot that they're saving him for Abraham's sake. So closeness to God, I believe, brings power in prayer. It also makes prayer become more of a delight because it's fellowship with God. The closer you grow to God, the more you enjoy spending time with him and having conversation with him. The fact that I know Teresa closely, closer than I did when I first met her, makes it so I enjoy talking to her more than I otherwise would have. I enjoy listening about her day more than I would a stranger tell me about their day because I know her closely. So closeness to God enhances our prayer, it brings power to prayer, and it makes prayer even more enjoyable. The next benefit I want to mention about intimacy with God is that it's life's highest joy. Let's look at Psalm 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There isn't overall in the universe anything with more potential to be enjoyed than knowing God. God didn't create anything more glorious than himself. So there's, you know, at the end of the day, when we really know God and appreciate him, our joy increases as we grow in that. And there's nothing in the universe to be enjoyed more than closeness with God. Nothing has more... potential to be enjoyed than a relationship with God. In God's presence, there is fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let's also look at uh, John 17.3. Jesus saying in his high priestly prayer, And this is eternal life 
that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. We pointed out uh, last week how, um, you know, eternal life is to know God. It's not eternal existence. Everybody has eternal existence. People who spend eternity separated from God have eternal existence. Eternal life doesn't mean eternal existence. Everybody gets that, for better or worse, for them. Um, But eternal life is to get to know God forever, to enjoy God forever. And just to point out one more, let's look at Philippians 1, verse 23. Uh, Paul talking about whether or not he thinks he might um, be executed. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. He doesn't say, I want to go to heaven so that I can not have pain anymore. He says, I want to be with Christ. The hope of enjoyment in heaven is God's presence. And time, there's been some times of worship and prayer that have been some of the best times of joy that I've ever had. Like more fun than almost anything else I've done. They're not necessarily super frequent. Worship is almost always fun, but there's been certain times that have just been extremely joyful. And if you talk to anyone who's had a really close relationship with God, they're almost always tell you the same thing. Intimacy with God is life's highest joy. The last benefit I want to point out of having closeness to God is it improves our ability to hear his voice. I think there's a few reasons for this. Um, The first one being... When we spend more time in the presence of God, we have more opportunity to hear from him without being distracted by other things. If you spend more time reading the word and more time in prayer and, you know, taking the time to listen when in prayer, you have more time to hear clearly from God without being distracted. Not only that, but the more we know him and the more we know his word, the easier it is to discern what's his voice and what's other voices. So closeness with God, as we grow in closeness with God, it improves our ability to hear his voice, which is very important. All right, so let's get into the next section, understanding intimacy. So um, I want to like really paint a clear picture of what it means to be close to God, what it looks like. And um, I want us to have a good, solid understanding of that. But I want to start off by saying that relational intimacy is not a feeling of being close to someone. Relational intimacy should lead you to feel that you're close to someone, but that feeling isn't what it is. You can feel plenty of things that aren't real, or something can be real and you not feel it. So when I say we should pursue closeness to God or intimacy with God, I don't want you to think, I need to pursue this certain feeling. I want you to have a clearer picture than that. So I'm going to define intimacy this way. Intimacy is a degree 
of relational closeness that comes from having certain qualities in a relationship, and it grows as those qualities grow. It's a degree of relational closeness that comes from having certain qualities in a relationship. I would say that there are five qualities in a relationship that lead to intimacy, and these are some of the blanks in your outline. Number one, loving each other. Uh, And when I say loving each other, I mean agape love, being sacrificially committed to the other person's best interest, putting their well-being above your own and serving them and looking out for them. So loving each other, trusting each other, knowing each other or knowing about each other, enjoying each other, and having history together. Those five things make for a close relationship. If a relationship has those five things, it's a close relationship. I want to point out why I think each of those is necessary. So let's start with love. Um, If one or more people involved in a relationship cares more about themselves than the other person, they can't have a truly close relationship. Not like it would be if they actually loved each other and put each other's well-being above their own. But if two people do love each other and they prioritize each other's needs above their own, that paves the way for a good relationship. You're not going to find a good marriage where the husband or the wife cares more about themselves than about each other. You won't. Sacrificial love, mutual sacrificial love, is part of what it takes for a relationship to be close, a good close relationship. Selfishness gets in the way of relationships. And trusting each other is also necessary. You couldn't have a close relationship with distrust. It just doesn't work. Because if you don't trust someone, if you distrust them, if you think that they might be out to harm you or to do something behind your back, uh, you won't be open with them. You might, in some sense, avoid them. And most of all, distrust often tends to lead to contempt. If I feel like you're out to get me, I'm probably not going to appreciate you very much. If I feel like you want to use me for your best interest and have no regard for mine, you know, I'm not going to appreciate that. I won't. It doesn't lead to closeness. It hinders closeness. You can't have closeness without trust. You need trust to have a close relationship. You also need knowledge. You need to know about each other. Knowing about someone does not make you relationally close to them. Nevertheless, if you hardly know anything about a person, I can assure you you're not close to them. If I were to tell you, well, my wife and I have been married for three years, but I hardly know anything about her, you'd think I must be uh, a terrible husband and have a terrible marriage. And you'd be reasonable to assume that. If I hardly know anything about my wife, we're not close. So knowing about someone doesn't make you close to them, but you won't be close to them if you don't know about them. Knowing about someone helps you to appreciate them deeper. 
Not only that, but uh, knowing about someone is necessary and is helpful for getting to know what's in their heart and how they think. So some people might not value, in terms of their relationship with God, theological knowledge very much. But uh, if you don't know about God, I, you're not close to him. You can't be close to someone you hardly know about. Not, so love is necessary, trust is necessary, knowledge is necessary, and I would also add that enjoying each other is necessary for a close relationship. Because if two people love each other and trust each other and know each other, but they don't enjoy each other or they don't enjoy spending time together, that can't be a close relationship. Enjoying the fellowship you have with someone is just necessary in order for it to be a close relationship. Because in your heart, you're not going to, in some sense, value someone who you don't enjoy. You might love them, but to not enjoy them or not enjoy fellowship means you don't value the fellowship or you don't value the relationship in some sense. How many marriages do you know of that you would consider close, but they don't like spending time together? It's a contradiction. It's not possible. So enjoying each other, enjoying the fellowship, is a necessary part for a close relationship. And lastly, I would say that having history together is necessary. Having experienced that person. Uh, if two people love each other and trust each other and know about each other and even enjoy spending time together, but they've only known each other for like a week, that can't be a very close relationship. It definitely has the potential to be, but you can't be really close to someone without having some history with that, without having experienced that, and that experience being built up over time. Having more history together makes the relationship deeper. Because there's knowing about someone, but there's also experiential knowledge. And experiential knowledge can always be growing over time, because you can always have more experiences with that person. So I would say for any relationship, these five qualities are what lead to intimacy. Uh, Daniel. Yes, it's something you have indirect control over. Um, we'll get to that more later on in the message. But it is some, enjoying the other person is something you have indirect control over. All your enjoyments in life are things you have indirect control over. You can't force yourself to enjoy something, but there's things you can do to make it more or less likely that you will enjoy it. So I want to expound on that just a bit more before, or those five qualities. 
I just want you to think about and imagine a relationship that has all five of these qualities. Two people who love each other sacrificially and trust each other and know a lot about each other and enjoy each other and have a history together. Would it be a close relationship? I think it would. But another thing I want to point out, as each of these qualities grow, the relationship gets closer. So if you have all five of these qualities in a relationship, it's a close relationship. But each one of these five qualities can be growing. And if any one of the five qualities grows, the relationship grows closer. You know, if two people love each other and have a close relationship, but they grow in their love for one another, the relationship grows more. As their trust grows even deeper, the relationship grows more. They know about each other, but as they get to know even more about each other, the relationship grows even more close. They already enjoy each other, but if they get to enjoy each other even more, the relationship grows closer. And as more history gets built, the relationship grows closer. And in each five of these qualities, we can always be growing in our relationship with God. You know, there's always room to love God deeper. You can always have more love for God. We can always grow in our faith and trust God more. There's always room for that. We can always be learning more about God and knowing his word deeper. There's always room for that. We can always delight in God more and, uh, as we get to know him and love him more. As we get to know him and love him more, we will enjoy him more. And having more enjoyment of him leads to a closer relationship with him. And lastly, uh, you know, as we spend more time with God, quality time, and daily experience his faithfulness in our lives, we're constantly developing a richer history with him, of experiencing him. So as each one of these five qualities grows, it makes the relationship closer. And each one of these five qualities always has potential to be growing in our relationship with God. So I just want to lay this out as a, an outlook to have on how to grow with, uh, closer to God. We're not just pursuing a feeling that we don't really know what causes it. We're pursuing something specific. We're pursuing five qualities in a relationship. Loving God deeper, trusting him more, knowing his love better, knowing more about him, enjoying him more, and having more experiencing him, more history with him. And as we pursue those five things, our relationship with God will grow closer because those are the five qualities that lead to closeness in our relationship. So um, just to summarize that, having intimacy with God, I would say, means having these five qualities in your relationship with him and growing in intimacy with God means growing in these five areas. So hopefully that makes it more clear how to pursue intimacy with God, uh, but we're going to break it down and make it even more practical. We're going to talk about how to pursue those five things. So the first, first thing I want to say that you should do if you want a close relationship with God, it's absolutely necessary, is be submitted to God, be surrendered to God. As Christians, we need to be submitted to God in every area of life. It doesn't mean we never fall to temptation. It means that we seek to obey him in everything, and when we fail, we repent. 
we need to be submitted to God in every area of life. It's absolutely necessary for intimacy with him. Because you can't have a close relationship. A, a spouse, a husband or a wife can't have a close relationship with their spouse if they're cheating on them actively. You can't have a close marriage where there's an affair going on. And to be harboring sin in your heart and not repenting of it is idolatry. It's spiritual adultery. It's like expecting to be close in a marriage when you're having an affair. It can't happen. Not only that, but if we have areas of obedience or areas of sin that we're not repenting of, we're just tolerating them on purpose, we know about them and we're not repenting of them, that means we don't love God. Let's look at John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If we have an area of our life that we're purposefully just not repenting in, we don't love God. And you can't have a close relationship with God without love. Not only that, but if we're harboring sin and not repenting of it, it means we don't trust God. It means we think we know better than he does. He either isn't smart enough to know what's good for us, or he isn't looking out for our best interest. And if he isn't smart enough to know what's best for us, then we're calling him a liar, because he says he does. So if we're harboring sin and not repenting of it, we don't trust God. You can't have a close relationship with God if you're harboring sin or if you have an area of sin in your life and you're not repenting of it. It's impossible. The second thing uh, we should do if we're seeking to be close to God, be aggressive about getting to know God's heart, getting to know his desires, his emotions, how he thinks, what he thinks, what he feels, what's in his heart. So there's, you know, four things, four ways we can go about this, and we should do all four of them. Number one would be Bible study. Not just reading your Bible, which you should do, but study of it. One thing I've done that's helped me greatly in this is doing, um, so I would make lists of God's attributes and try to get to know them better, or uh, qualities of God, characteristics of God, his love, certain desires of his, and make lists of all the verses that point to those. I used to keep a book of all the qualities of God I could find. It can be helpful to do books, but you should do your own study. Doing your own study on the heart of God is part of getting to know him deeper. If you were in a marriage, you wouldn't be content to just read books that other people wrote about your spouse. You'd want to do your own study on your spouse. Get to know them on your own. Reading books is helpful and we need it, but we also need to be doing our own studies. So there's all kinds of ways you can come up with your own Bible studies, but... Um, I just think it's really helpful to look for certain qualities of God and make verse lists. That can be really helpful. 
or asking yourself questions about God and then searching the scriptures until you find the answer to those questions. That's doing your own Bible study, and that's a very necessary thing for getting to know God's word deeply, for getting to know God deeply. So that's one way to be more aggressive about getting to know God's heart. Another one is book reading. There are plenty of good books uh, that would help you to know the heart of God better. And it's not something you can afford to miss out on. Because just like you can't afford to just read books and not do your own Bible study, you can't afford to only do Bible study and never read books or listen to insights from other people. You won't know God as well as you could if you don't listen to what other people have to say or what they know about God. God designed us to need community. He designed us to need other Christians. There are plenty of books that have really helped me get to know God in ways I I just wouldn't have. Or if I would have, it would have taken me decades to find those insights. But I probably wouldn't have done it ever. Like, reading books or listening to audiobooks is just so helpful. But you need your own independent Bible study and, you know, insights from others through reading books. Both are necessary. Another way we can be aggressive about getting to know God's heart is through meditation. And when I say meditation, I mean sometimes it's worth it, especially if you've already made lists about, you know, God's qualities and what's in his heart and verses about it, to just read those lists and just think about God. Just spending time thinking about God can be a great way to grow closer to him. It can really help um, you getting to know him and having a sense of what he's like. So meditation can be helpful. And the fourth thing, you know, it's always going to be something I mention in every list I make on how to do anything well, Prayer. You can pray that God would reveal more of himself to you. You should pray that God would reveal more of himself to you and would reveal his heart to you. So be aggressive about getting to know God's heart. The next thing I would say uh, you should do if you want a close relationship with God, have regular time in worship. Worship, one of the best ways worship helps you in your relationship with God is uh, it's one of the best ways I know for helping a person to enjoy God. The majority of me enjoying God that I experience comes from worship. Sometimes it comes from reading the Bible, sometimes it comes from prayer, sometimes it comes from meditation, but typically my greatest enjoyment that I have of God is from worship. When God designed music, and one of his purposes in designing music was to make it so we could use it to praise him, um, I think music is just part of human design in a way that God made in a special way. And um, it really connects with our emotions and our enjoyment. And worship helps us to enjoy God. Not only that, but worship is a form of prayer. It's a form of spending time with God. Because conversation is a necessary part of relationship or of you know, building history with someone. 
But worship is prayer. We are speaking to God. It is time spent with God. And also, worship helps you to experience God in very real ways, experiential ways, when we come into his presence. And sometimes we hear God's voice more clearly in worship. So I would recommend you uh, attend, or if you can't attend, host at least one worship meeting per week. And think about how you can work worship more into your daily life. Like you can listen to worship music while you work or while you drive. You can work worship into your day. You can have set aside times of private worship. But worship helps you grow closer to God. So if you want to grow closer to God, have regular time in worship. The next thing I would say, if you want to be closer to God, have regular time in prayer. You can't have a close relationship with someone if you don't have conversation with them. Conversation is necessary for any relationship. And we, just like we experience God in worship, we experience God in prayer. We can experience his presence when we come to him in prayer. And we also experience his power and activity as he answers our prayers. That's building history with him. That's experiencing him in the relationship. So prayer helps us to experience God and experience his presence. Not only that, but time spent in prayer can make it easier to hear his voice. You know, I frequently heard that, you know, when spending time in prayer, don't do all the talking, but we should take some time to listen. It's a very common Christian experience for people to hear God's voice during times of prayer more frequently than other uh, activities or other times in life. Prayer also helps you enjoy God uh, as you experience him, as you're in his presence. So I would recommend you have a daily set-aside time for personal prayer, for private prayer, and I would recommend you attend at least one corporate prayer meeting per week. And, you know, typically, at least in GCF, when we have worship meetings, we also have prayer. So you can do both at once. But uh, corporate prayer is necessary just like private prayer is. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Um, You know, we are God's children, and God enjoys spending one-on-one time with us But if you had kids and you only spent time with them one-on-one and you never spent time together as a family, you'd be lacking the full enjoyment of your family. And it goes the other way. If you only spent time as a family but you never spent time with your kids one-on-one, you'd be lacking the full enjoyment that you could have. We need private prayer and corporate prayer. So I really recommend having a daily set-aside time for prayer if you don't already and try to attend at least one corporate prayer meeting per week. The next thing I would recommend if you want to have a close relationship with God, have regular time in the scriptures. As we get to know God's word deeper, that's how we know God. The primary way you get to know about God is through his word. It's also good to know about God through the testimony of other Christians, 
But that's secondary. The primary way we get to know God and know about God is through his word. That's one of the main ways in which God speaks to us. Prayer is good because it's talking to God, but we need to hear from God. Conversation is a two-way thing. We need to hear from God. And time in the scripture is a form of quality time with God. It, it's building your history together. You experience God in his word. It's time with him. So again, I would recommend you have a daily set-aside time for Bible reading, and I would recommend you read through the Bible every year or two. Because the Bible is our chief means of getting to know God. So it's worth reading again and again. Because you're going to keep understanding more of it if you keep reading it. God's word gives wisdom to the simple. It's simple enough that you can read it and understand it. But it's also, you know, there's so much about God to know. You're not going to get to know all of God your first or second time reading the Bible. You won't even get to know all of God your hundredth time reading the Bible. He's God. There's always more to learn about him. Uh, the next thing I would recommend, if you want to be closer to God, is be intentional about loving him. Love is a choice. Sacrificial commitment to another person is not a feeling, it's a choice. So be intentional about loving God. Be intentional about seeking to learn what pleases him and what he delights in, so that you can seek to please him, because that's how we be sacrificially committed to his well-being. There's not a lot we can do for him, because he doesn't have any needs, but we can seek to please him. Not only that, but we should learn to lead our hearts. I did a 10-part series on learning to lead your heart, and we should direct our hearts towards loving God. The last thing I would recommend is uh, be intentional about trusting God. Trust is also a choice. Uh, trust is not a feeling. I like the example, if, uh, if Sam Wante says that we're going to meet at 2 p.m. today, if I trust him, I'll show up at 2 p.m. If I don't trust him that he'll show up on time, I'll show up late so that I'm not wasting my time. But it's not about whether or not I feel that he'll be there on time, it's about whether or not I choose to show up on time. Trust is a choice, and we should be intentional about trusting God. We should become familiar with God's promises in the scriptures. How can we trust God if we don't know what he says he's going to do? We should become familiar with testimonies of God's goodness. That makes it easier to trust him. And we should be purposeful about choosing to trust God during times of trial or times of temptation. Real quick, uh, somewhat in response to Daniel's question he mentioned earlier, um, the way I would say we seek to enjoy God is through spending time with him. If you, uh, in a marriage, want to enjoy your spouse more, or if in your dating you want to enjoy the other person more, you would spend a time with them. You would arrange quality time with them. If I wanted to, for some reason, not enjoy Teresa, I could just stop spending time with her. And if I want to enjoy her more, I would plan to spend more time with her. Uh, his question was, um, I'm kind of paraphrasing it, how do we have control over whether or not we enjoy someone? But uh, 
you choose to spend time with them, and you do things to make that time quality time. If I wanted to not enjoy someone, I could plan to have uh, time with them that I knew would be a bad time. <laughs> you, you plan quality time. What was that? If I wanted to, this is a poor example. If I wanted to not enjoy someone, I could plan to have a bad time with them. <laughs> like take them to some... <laughs> it's true. But anyways, the best way to seek to enjoy God is to spend quality time with him and to get to know him more. Uh, Daniel. Right. Yep. But anyways, in conclusion, we need to pursue closeness with God. You know, we looked last week at how God desires intimacy with us. He designed us for that. He enjoys that. He wants to be close with us, and he enjoys being close with us. He enjoys when we get to know him. Not only that, but, you know, as we looked at earlier in the benefits of being close to God, intimacy with God is helpful for just about every area of your Christian life. It helps with sanctification, it helps your prayer, it helps your worship, helps your faith, helps just about everything. And moreover, I think this is just a year where God wants to bring us closer to him in a way that's just going to somewhat permanently change our relationship with him. God wants to bring us closer to him. He wants us to really grow closer to him this year. So let's have our communion meditation. Uh, this one's going to be a bit short and simple. The only one I could think to do is Christ desires a people who are close to him. Let's look at John 17, verse 3 and verse 24. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And later he says in that same prayer, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Why did Jesus die for us? He died that we could have eternal life. He didn't die so that we could have eternal existence. He died so that we could know him. And be close to him. It's for our sake, but it's not just some vague sense of our sake where we don't have to suffer punishment. It's so that we'd be close to him. We could know him. We could enjoy him. And that is life's greatest joy. And that will be tremendous joy. More than, more than we've experienced through any pleasure we've had on earth for all eternity. So let's thank God for that as we come to the table. So I, uh, I just wanted to say something in closing to uh, answer Daniel's question uh, about how we can build enjoyment in God and one another. So, uh, as you know, uh, Catherine and I have been married just over 40 years. And... Uh, <laughs> 
We've known each other 47 years, and we've, uh, we're friends long before we ever thought about dating or getting involved on that level, and, and Catherine was kind of my right hand in, in a campus ministry for a while. Um, and Catherine's by far the, the person I enjoy being with the most of anybody in this world. And we have all kinds of things we enjoy doing, like walking on Clifton Gorge and bike paths and things like that. So uh, I, just, I just wanted to take us back to a story. When we were uh, engaged, there was a couple older couples that we needed to get to know for various reasons. And one of them um, didn't have maybe the healthiest marriage. And... Um, so we, we had taken this couple out to dinner at a very nice, uh, expensive restaurant. And one of the things that we noticed in the course of an hour or two that we were discussing is whenever the wife would talk, she would talk about the kids when they were growing up and memories of that, and she would kind of light up and be happy. And the dad wasn't paying attention at all. He wouldn't even have the courtesy of, like, having his eyes on the conversation. <laughs> and then um, whenever the dad would talk, he would talk about uh, the Wall Street Journal and, you know, IBM's buying out so and such and such company for $14 a share or, or uh, political or, or business current events. And uh, the, the mother, uh, the wife, wasn't paying attention at all. She completely bored. And so um, I remember God just really uh, put, you know, really hit me with that. And I realized it's a choice to get to get involved in like and developing interest in what your spouse is interested in. Anyone that you want to have a good relationship with, find, develop an interest in whatever they're interested in. Uh, some of you know that Catherine really loves mystery, like whodunit mystery novels, Agatha Christie, all that kind of stuff, and shows thereof. And so uh, over the years, I've come to, to uh, get very involved in that kind of stuff and, and like it and, and, and have become good at it, like figuring out all the clues and all that kind of stuff. And Catherine loves old movies, you know, especially uh, film noir and 40s, 1940s movies and old black and white stuff and so forth. And, you know, yesterday I actually watched Turner Mu Music Channel in the background as I was studying other stuff for like about 10 hours. And uh, I've come to know and like uh, movies from the 30s, the 40s and uh, and I even, you know, even know movie stars from that. I don't know a lot about movies that are, say, 1990s or newer, but I know a lot of, about movies that are uh, from the 30s through the 70s. And, uh, and that's just simply because that's what Catherine likes. So um, I don't know if that helps you, Daniel, with your questions, but one of the things you, you can spend time thinking about is what does God delight in? You know, one, one of the reasons, uh, we, we have a lot of humanistic ideas about why, why we want to be involved in evangelism, 
they kind of go like this, like, oh, I can't, uh, you know, deal with the idea of someone being apart uh, from God forever and perishing and da-da-da. And, and so, and, but it's kind of like a man-centered thing. But the truth of the matter is the reason we share the gospel is God commanded it. And it's, Jesus makes it clear that it's he and the heavenly host that delight in someone coming to know the Lord. And so, like, even, like, why we would be interested in evangelism, uh, the, uh, the human compassion side of it will only take you so far because a lot of people are not that easy to like or love. Has anybody ever met someone that's not easy to like or love? Oh, yeah, you're a pastor. But, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but... So, you know, actually, uh, uh, real evangelism, really, and, a, and a being able to sustain that as a way of life, actually comes out of loving God and his purposes. So anyway, I don't know if that helps with Daniel's thing, but uh, to me, uh, in terms of any relationship, uh, starting with your spouse, uh, your key people in the church, uh, you know, like, learn what their interests are. You know, uh, uh, Daniel and Christiana just got back, and one of the things I always have liked about Christiana is she's the one person in the church that I talk to about classical music, <laughs> and uh, and uh, although sometimes Nathan, uh, he he actually thinks Tchaikovsky is as good as Beethoven. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm praying for him to come come to salvation, full salvation. But <laughs> No, I'm just, so anyway, uh, just in closing, let's let's uh, keep in mind that de developing an enjoyment of doing stuff together is a very deliberate thing, and obviously uh, that can be done in terms of finding out what God's about and what He's doing, and be, you know, uh, I, I really love in in Luke two the only glimpse we have of Jesus' childhood. Jesus actually says, I don't, I don't think disrespectfully, because it goes on to say that he remained in subjection to his parents, but when his parents were quite worried about where he was, he said, didn't you know that I had to be about my father's business, I think the King James says, but it literally means, don't, didn't you know I had to be doing the things of my father? Like, I, I, like if you're wondering where John Gray is, he's probably hunting. You know, <laughs> he's out in the woods somewhere with a with a, a gun looking for deer. <laughs> you know, so uh, you know, just no taking an interest in what the other any important relationship, find out what they enjoy, and make a decision to enjoy what they enjoy.